San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle, on a good night down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear this show as it airs on any device. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, a lecturer, an author, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families and a philanthropist. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm superb, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. Boy, we've got a really great show tonight. We're going to clean, we? clean up with this show, isn't it? <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I should leave the bad puns to you. But yeah. anyway, just uh, parenthetically, um, Brenda Geiger was on last week. And, she was. And... Um, or a couple weeks. Was it just last week? It was last Saturday. Boy, last it really week. flies. I was trying to remember the other bookstore chain that is not around anymore. I did mention Crown Books. It was Borders was the one, right? Borders used to be around. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I couldn't think of the but second one. she had a one. great book signing at Barnes & Noble in Encinitas. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Yeah. So I hope that went well. And uh, estate planning folks, and Richard, will, we'll mention her in the sponsors uh, coming we up. We do. But um, the other thing is Dr. Timothy Snyder. I saw that he was speaking at D.G. Wills, that funky bookstore in La Jolla, last Thursday about tyranny. And this does kind of relate to tonight's uh, show. Uh, he's got the, the 20 warning, I guess the 20 warning signs or the warning signs from the 20th century. He's a professor at Yale, which is also relevant because we have two uh, Ivy Leaguers on the show tonight. But um, That's not you and me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, uh, I turn on Bill Maher Friday night, and he's the guest on Bill Maher's uh, Real Time, which is very cool. So I, I had no idea he was going to be on, on that show. So. so what do you say about tyranny? Uh, well, there's warning signs. Just uh, You'll have to, you'll have okay, to go on YouTube. I'll send you a, a, okay. a link, whatever. I don't want to take too much time sure. from our show because we have with us. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get these guys. Well, actually... It was an encore performance for one of the guests, but we have not only the CEO, the Cosmic Engagement Officer, and the president of uh, Dr. Browner's Magic Soaps, but on the line we have David Browner. David, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. Excellent, excellent. And we have the president of the company, your brother, Mike Browner, in studio. Hi, Mike. How are you? Doing great, Joe. Doing great. Outstanding. Well, I did watch it. There was a documentary made. Uh, there's always information coming out about the your grandfather, Emmanuel Browner, um, Maybe we should just give a little history of, of, of his life, because I know he... The he entire left, family tree. Yeah, well, he, well, <laughs> well, I know he left. He was born in 1908, and he left Germany. I think he was having a little tiff with his father, but uh, they started making soaps in the mid-1800s, right, David? Yeah, so the, uh, my grandfather was himself a, a third-generation soap maker born into a German-Jewish soap-making family in southern Germany, at, and his grandfather started manufacturing in 1858. Uh huh. Um, so yeah. So by, by the time he was born, his dad and two uncles uh, were running the show, and, and he was born in 1908. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the and the enterprise had grown to uh, 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 involve three factories, the largest of which was in Heilbronn. And uh, where, yeah, and they where, were supplying. Yeah, where is that in Germany, Heilbronn? Is it near Munich or Berlin or I'm, I'm not really. No, it's the uh, southern uh, part. So more towards Munich, I guess. Okay, okay. It, it, it's halfway between Frankfurt and uh, 
in Nuremberg. There we go. Okay. So um, anyway, I'm just curious. Do you have any of those early labels from the, when the company very first started, or is that all? That must is that all gone now? You have any informa- historic information? Yeah. I know you. I know you like to study that stuff. Yeah, you know we do have a uh, we have a bar soap label. Uh, made, the the brand was called Made of Foam. Um, it was kind of a M A D A F O A M, and it was even though it was a German uh, enterprise, it was kind of a play on the English Made of Foam. So ah, Made of Foam, okay, uh, brand soap. So yeah, we do have uh, some historical labels that dates back to what year? Would you say eighteen ninety or? That was probably nineteen thirties. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, getting into the tragic part of the, yeah. the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so um, anyway, he was third generation. Tell us about, you know, why he came to America. And I, he was having a little tiff with it. His father was kind of strict, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, my granddad is a very intense individual. Um, and, uh, you know, he came up through the guild system of the time and was apprenticed to uh, another soap maker and, and, and got his master basically became a master soap maker mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a, a degree in chemistry, um, but was very uh, political and activist um, and very Zionist and uh, also had a lot of newfangled soap making idea, ideas and um, uh, was repeatedly ca- clashing with his dad and two uncles. Um, and, you know, especially on the political front, they didn't want politics and soap. They didn't want, didn't want my dad mixing that into the, Enterprise and generally just, you know, uh-huh. keep it, keep that on a low key. And well, that makes sense. It's, one it's, clean business, one dirty yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you know, uh, you, you know the rise of he left at what he left Germany like what nineteen twenty eight or nine nine, nine. twenty nine. So he must have saw something coming that he didn't like, huh? In, in addition to the right, I mean, if it motivated him well, to come all the way to the states, did he know anybody here at all? He had an uncle, another, was it an uncle, Mike? Uh, I'm pretty uh, sure it was his uncle, yes. Yeah, another uncle actually had a soap factory here. Mm-hmm. And my granddad became a, a consultant to the U.S. soap industry and, and helped uh, launch products and design factories. Okay. But by, um, here, by here, do you mean where, where in the U.S.? Chicago. He landed in Chicago. Okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, kind of the, you know, I mean, the rising tide of anti-Semitism, uh, you know, I mean, Germany... In the twenties was actually a pretty tolerant place, but by the end of the decade it was starting to get bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely in the thirties when it really, really started to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, ironically, Chicago uh, at the time was the epicenter of anti-Semitism in the U.S. You had um, Father—I forget his name—Father McLaughlin's radio show. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and he was—you um, know—had a huge audience and was—you know—very uh, anti-Semitic. But anyways, um, you know, my granddad got out uh, or, or left more more to the, the, the personal class and generational class, but, mm-hmm. you know, became increasingly desperate with the rise of Hitler to get his family out. Um, and his two sisters got out. One, uh, his, his younger sister, Lottie, left when she was 16 in 1936. And Louisa got out in 38, right before the, the Nazis closed the borders. Um but he lost but, his parents to the Holocaust, correct? Yeah, they were unable to convince. Like a lot of the bourgeois Jews at the time, they thought they'd ride out the madness and, you know, that it was going to pass, and mm-hmm. then it was too late. Yeah. My, yeah. my grandfather ended up getting a letter from one of the camps. Uh, it was from his dad, and um, we've had 
discussions, you know, whether they would really let letters out of the camps, mm-hmm. but they, you know, Hitler was trying to get, um, you know, Americans to keep them from thinking the, the, the condition was as bad as it was. Yeah. Anyhow, my grandfather received a letter. Uh, all the words were blacked out except for three. And it said you were right. You were right. Do you still have that letter anywhere? Or no, no, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff um, uh, was lost um, when my <laughs> grandfather uh, hitchhiked from Chicago to Los oh, Angeles. Oh, that's another great story. <laughs> Richard, do you know this? So he, I know that. He, uh, but I don't know the details behind it. I guess Emmanuel used to, uh, he was kind of like a street preacher, too. And I know you went to Harvard. We didn't give the backgrounds of these two gentlemen, and they're both uh, highly educated. I mean, I know, uh, David, you're a, a biologist from Harvard. Mike here's an English major from Brown, so I wanted to get that out there. <laughs> so we got two eighths or yeah. one quarter of the Ivy League covered. <laughs> I'm glad you're not making Ivy soap or mm-hmm. Ivory soap. Anyway, but um, uh, I know Emmanuel used to. He was kind of like a street preacher, street uh, street philosopher, right? And uh, tell us the story why he even uh, wound up in the Elgin Mental Hospital. Well, bas- so. uh, basically, when he got this letter from his his dad. Um, uh, it ended up being the last letter he ever received. Mm. Never, never saw his parents again. And he decided to give up everything. Uh, to my brother, said he he had come here and become quite successful, um, but decided to give up everything in a quest for uh, world so, peace, social justice, social and, justice. Yeah. Absolutely, trying to keep something like the Holocaust from ever happening again. You know, this time with so me. he's saying all the religions, all these people, we're all one. I know that's a big, that's a big. Um, um, tenet of your philosophy, right, David? Uh, by all one, I know it's even in your email. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, well, yeah. They, anyway, they, gosh, we got hold that thought, please. Yeah, we've got to take a little break. We'll come back with David and Bright, uh, Mike Browner from Doctor Browner's Magic Soaps right after this. Hang on. All right, we're getting smart with two Ivy Leaguers here. Dr. Bronner's Magic Soap CEO, Cosmic Engagement Officer David Bronner on the line, and Mike uh, Bronner, president in the studio. When we last left off, David, we were talking about how your grandfather made it, uh, why he was uh, put into a Elgin Mental Hospital and how he got to the West Coast. So you want to start with that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he, he had gone through, you know, an incredible tragedy. He lost his parents. Um, he lost his, his wife had died. My, my dad's mother, or dad's mother, uh, had, had died uh, early and tragically. Um, and some, and and you know, just in, in the midst of all this tragedy, um, it was also having you know intense experiences of, of, of the mystical love and unity at the at the heart of reality, and realizing that we're all children of the same divine source that. No matter what faith or, or religion or, or ethnicity, that we're all children of the same divine source, and in a nuclear-armed world, that the next Holocaust, we're going to all we're going to all be dead. We're going to kill all of us, mm-hmm. and that if we don't realize this transcendent unity, then we're all one or we're all none. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, he basically saw that all the religious giants of the different faith traditions were all saying the same basic message: that to, to realize. That uh, you know, basically, that every man prays to God in his, his or her own language, and there's no no language God doesn't understand. And um, if we don't realize this, uh, you know, it's just, it's not going to go good. Mm-hmm. And um, was was felt uh, you know compelled to go around the country, lecturing and spreading this this peace plan. Um, and um, uh, was uh, was was touring the country, uh, lecturing in in, in 
Uh, well, actually, was was, was in, but still primarily in the Midwest. And yeah, but he was in Chicago, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, in Chicago, he actually had a like someone had actually crucified himself for his peace plan. It actually crucified him. Uh, well, I mean, obviously he had help, um, but my granddad was not involved. But my granddad was starting to get quite a following, obviously quite enthusiastic following, and, and he got on the authorities' radar. And so, like, you know, my granddad was very intense and would be, you know, preaching and sermonizing in a very thick German accent. And mm-hmm. he was in the dean's office at the University of Chicago uh, creating a scene, and, and the authorities grabbed him and against his will, put him into the, the Elgin State Insane Asylum, where you could be interned. You know, back in those days, it was, you know, uh, you know, it didn't take much for, yeah. for someone to be interned against their will. We, 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 we say that the line between madness and genius is, is very thin. Yeah. And what's even thinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah. so he wound up in the, menta, the Elgin Mental Hospital, and maybe that was a way back then for uh, authorities to get um, uh, activists off the streets, too, perhaps. You know, I wonder who else was in that hospital. What, what year was that around, approximately? It was like 48, okay. 47, 48. Yeah. So after but, the war, okay. okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you're getting the beginning of the Red Scare. And, right. uh, sure. You know, right. just... So, yeah, it's just kind had, of a paranoid we had, time. We talk about, we had J. Edgar Hoover around back then, so, uh, and, and the Dulles Brothers, so, but that's another show. You actually had J. Edgar Hoover around San Diego. Yeah, anyway, um, anyway. Well, and in fact, there is a pretty thick FBI file on my granddad. Whoa. Uh, okay. Hey, you yeah. should get, have you ever filed the Freedom Information Act and try to get the dossier? That might be interesting. Have you guys thought of that? Yeah. I think, I, I think someone did and sent us a bunch, like, yeah, and a lot of it's redacted, but... Right. Huh. Um, just a lot of his kind of, uh, it wasn't anything we don't know. I mean, it was just like yeah. a lot of recordings of, oh, oh, actually in the, in the, in the documentary, um, that was made about my granddad, a really good documentary called, um, Magic Soapbox. Yeah. Um, I saw it. There, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a segment where, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of reading from some of the FBI's transcripts. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. How, how long was he in Elgin, and how did he get out? <laughs> That's a good story. Uh, well, well, you know, one, you know, one story while he was in there, just to show like just how sane and together he was. He actually was nauseated by watching this the, this kind of untreated sludge go, uh, being poured in the river across the way, mm-hmm. and actually designed the settling tank for to, to clean that up huh. for the, this factory across the way. But Mike, do you want to tell this story on the? Yeah. Well, he, he, he escaped twice and was put back in. Um, the third time he escaped out the bathroom window, uh, managed to uh, hitchhike, and he wanted to go to California, got as far as Las Vegas, where he <laughs> decided he, you know, he spent enough time with this guy that he could really bond and told him that he was an escape mental patient. Uh, and so when he went to the bathroom at the gas station and came out, the, the, guy, guy, the guy, guy had fled. <laughs> <laughs> But that was a good thing, because what happens next? Well, next... next talk um, talk so, about making lemonade out of lemons. Let's well, see what happens. Well, next what he does is he, uh, he, he bets on the roulette wheel. He doesn't <laughs> have enough money to get to, get to uh, Los Angeles. And you know, to, to hear him tell it, like he, he waited for the uh, wheel to go five times on black. Okay. I think five times on black, uh-huh. and then he knew instantly the next one was going to be red. And then he so, load up. And he loaded it up, and <laughs> poof, you know, it worked. And he walks out of it four hundred bucks, which back then was a lot of money. A lot of, yeah. lot of money, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. What'd you say, David? 
Oh, he, he would say it was a cinch. A cinch. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> yeah, in the rear view mirror, it always looked a 20, yeah, Monday morning quarterback. But uh, so, yeah, like, he could have like been Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Right? Yeah. So did he have relatives in California or he just. Uh, no, he just he settled in, in Pershing Square. Which it was a hotbed of, of political activity, ah, like um, our Haydash Barry back then, I guess. Kind of. I mean, it. Uh, you know, he fit right in. Is if that you, L.A. or where? It, is it? It's Los Angeles. Okay. And if you actually Google it, um, you'll come up with soapbox orators. Soapbox orators. It was famous for people standing on soapboxes, ah, talking about politics, talking yeah. about religion, society, philosophy. So he. That's where he set up shop. Huh. And um, you know, in a way, he he couldn't get a job because, you know, he, right. the last place he worked would have been like the insane asylum. Yeah. So he was kind of, um, you know, on his own. And he started out by actually scouring the mountains for herbs that he made a mineral seasoning out of. Yeah. Um, and then uh, gave his talks and, and got quite popular. So he would, um, he relocated into an auditorium and fill the place up. And for the people who would come to listen to him, he would make a bottle of soap. Yeah. Uh, now, the original was peppermint, eucalyptus, and what, almond was the third? Or what was the third original? David, do you know offhand? Uh, lavender, it's either lavender, oh. see, oh. peppermint, la almond, no. lavender, eucalyptus. Eucaly I think. Those are the original four? Well, actually, actually, it's kind of weird. Um, the lavender bar soap came a couple of years before the liquid. Huh, interesting. So it's, a little, it's a little difficult for us just because whenever we ask my grandfather these kinds of questions uh -huh. about you know history or anything, he'd be like, What's more important, my history or United Spaceship Earth? <laughs> <laughs> now, the original formulas that he came up with, were those ones that were developed in Germany, or were these kind of his innovative ideas, or, or did he com combine uh, them too? It was basically the family soap recipes, um, mm. you know, that it, and, and, and he was selling the, the soaps on the side, so when he's in Persian Square and elsewhere, he'd, uh, you know, he would sell the, his soap, on the side uh, to kind of, you know, finance his role, mm -hmm. but was realizing that people were coming more to buy the soap than to hear what he had to say Yeah. Uh, over time. And that's when he decided to put the, his iconic message on the labels of our soap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when was the first year he did that? Probably in the 50s sometimes, or mid-50s? Late 50s, early 60s. And you know, at the same time, his eyesight was deteriorating, which he blamed on the electroshock treatments mm -hmm. he was forced to endure while he was interned. Mm -hmm. um, and I think over time, he was basically legally blind by the end of the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and we like to say, like, our bottle was actually basically designed by a blind man. Um, <laughs> that he and, couldn't read if he wanted to, but yeah, well, magnifying I, I glass, think, I guess. Huh? Yeah, I don't think he understood that just how busy it was getting. Yeah, but uh, it's you know now it's six you know three thousand words, six point font. But, well, you know, I discovered it in college. You know, you, re you keep it in the bathroom because you could you know you could uh, sit around and read that thing for a while, and uh, and you, you start reading it. It's so cool about all the philosophy melded with all the the, the multiple uses of that. So. Anyway, in his honor, yeah. I did take a peppermint sponge bath with a towel today, just like in the movie. <laughs> I did my my I, hair. I was wondering why you smelled and, the way. You yeah, did. and the great you, you smell need, great. It does tingle. The peppermint's yeah. great. It uh, you know it, it is refreshing. And, and uh, could you do that every time we take? It? <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're going to come back with David Browner and uh, Mike Browner from Doctor Browner's Magic Soaps right after this. Hang on. All right, 
We're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And this is a time where we like to thank our sponsors. Uh, Premier among them is ABC Family Law, headed up by attorneys uh, Sharon Blanchet and Lisa Christensen and all the women who work in their firm and do all the great work in family law. And Richard has some more. Since we love initials, also a big thank you to UBS Wealth Management with Michael Caranta. Could not do this show without UBS and Mike. Also, it's tax season, our favorite CPAs on the planet. Hey, we actually have two groups of the more traditional CPAs, Plato Epic CPAs, doing tax returns and financial statements up in North County of San Diego, as well as Jason Kruger CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO service firm. Also, our great friend Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners to improve their cash flow. Now, all this money our sponsors make, how about you stash it in California Republic Bank? I should say formerly known as California Republic Bank, Mechanics Bank. Sean Puckett, of course, heads up the San Diego region of Mechanics Bank, a great niche market bank that serves wealthy families and families that invest in the real estate arena. Also, Neil Staley with Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance. Great employee benefits firm. Looks like we've got a little bit of certainty on whether Obamacare would be with us or not. But employee benefits, a very hot topic right now. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group. I'm going to see Tony Lombardi, its founder, out at the Carlsbad 5K tomorrow, Sunday morning, but LG helps wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Also, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, heads up Hearthstone Private Wealth Management and is the catalyst behind SeniorSafeAndSound.org here in San Diego, helping to prevent the financial abuse of elderly citizens here in the county. Also, Michelle St. Clair with Elite Lifestyle Management, helping those of us who have no time get things done, from simple things like travel plans to making arrangements to have dinner with Bocelli, which I'm doing on August 3rd over in Tuscany. So big thank you to Elite Lifestyle Management for how they help those of us who would otherwise be totally non-functional with their own lives. Also, Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office, she was last week's guest, had a great book signing last week, and has a really neat continuing education symposium coming up on May 12th at Loma Santa Fe Country Club. Geiger Law Offices assist people with estate planning as well as asset protection. And, Joe, for those listeners who are skipping dinner to listen to our show and are now getting very hungry, what can they do? They stay on the diet. No. <laughs> no. They can uh, actually partake in a very good food foundation, all their activities. They have great uh, four great uh, programs with us a year, plus the uh, very good night dinner, which I know David Bronner has been to. Uh, I've seen him there. Yeah. And then uh, also there's uh, the Stats Coffee Houses, uh, Hillcrest, uh, Normal Heights, University Heights, all open 24-7, 365. And I got to get to get them on some fair trade coffee in honor of these guys, too. So but uh, great food, great people watching, uh, busy all the time. And if you get over to our website, iymoney.com, there is a sponsor tab with a drop down menu. You can learn about all, all our uh, some or all of our sponsors. And uh, you can even become one if you like. Uh, there's a great media kit that uh, um, Courtney just uh, posted on there, which you should take a look at. It's uh, got a lot of great information about the show, how, how, how many people we reach, and et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Now back to David Bronner, Mike Bronner, about Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps. I did see the documentary, Dr. Bronner's Magic Soap Box. And uh, um, where do we leave off? We were talking about, oh, how? Um, we were in Los Angeles. Yeah, we're in Pershing, <laughs> Pershing Square. And Mike, I think Mike was talking about uh, what happened from there. Right. Well, so he's in Persian Square, and he's uh, getting famous for his talks. So he moves into an auditorium, uh, talking to all the people who would come. And he would uh, give out soap, sell some soap, but give out soap to the people who would come. And word got out that this was some pretty darn good soap. Mm -hmm. So people started coming, taking the soap, and leaving. 
<laughs> and not listening to him. So that's when he came up with the brilliant idea of, of putting his message on the bottle. Ah. So he'd uh, they'd take it home, get in the shower, and be trapped. That's right. <laughs> Preach via the bottle. I like that. You know, don't don't give the Pope any ideas. <laughs> we have Pope on a soap on a rope or something now, too, don't they? <laughs> I think so. I'm sure they... <laughs> But your annual report was just released, David. This is um, your third annual. You've got some great stories in there. Um, I know, uh, when did he move to uh, Escondido? Because that's uh, when things really picked up down in this county, right? What, and, and why did he move down here? I'll bet you it was avocados, but you yeah. tell the story. <laughs> you're, pretty, well, you're pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, David. Yeah. No, he was a big, yeah, he, he actually was part of the avocado club down here. And then went weekly and told bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I watched the movie, and I know he he ate avocado almost every day, right? He, he loved guacamole, that special mix, that and that and that brown drink that I think his wife made, right? Uh, yeah, the mineral seasoning. Yeah, yeah, you know, my granddad was. I mean, that mineral seasoning was you know wasn't very nutritious and and, and mm-hmm. great uh, source of uh, supplementary minerals and vitamins. But yeah, it wasn't like the best tasting, and he would just mineralize everything. Uh huh. You know, your ice cream. You know, if you didn't watch out. He's like, you got to mineralize it. We'd be out to dinner, and, and he would pass around the mineral seasoning, especially around dessert. Oh, <laughs> boy. When, when you come out with Dr. Bronner's magic ice cream, baby, I want the first bowl of that. <laughs> yeah. um, magic yeah. in which Well, way? he did make it till 90, right? And uh, about 90 years old, did he? How old? 89. 89, yeah. yeah. So he died in March 7, 97, actually the same day our daughter Maya was born. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so he came down in, in 66 or 67, um, just, uh, I don't know, greener pastures down here, mm-hmm. uh, Scandido. It's kind of a hotbed of the health food movement. You know, you had Dr. Jensen out down here. And, and you um, know, we, had De- we had Deborah Zakay on once. I wonder if he ever crossed paths because he was into the Essene philosophy, too. Well, <laughs> in fact, yeah, he, he uh, considered himself an Essene rabbi. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and if you read our, our, our label, um, you know, you can see there's an overall kind of Judaic context, but, you know, very universalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he considered himself a rabbi in the Essene tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, uh, he, he set up his bottling facility here. The soaps con- continued to be manufactured in bulk and a manufacturing operation uh, uh, close to Glendale, where me and my brother were born, uh, my parents uh, raised us, and my dad oversaw the soap production, as well as became the head of operations at this chemical specialty firm. Um, and so we, me and my brother, actually grew up working more for my dad at, at that business, and then a subsequent uh, independent business he formed called Bronner Chemical and Technical Consulting, where. In addition to manufacturing the soaps for Dr. Bronner's, uh, he developed um, diverse products for a lot of different clients, including firefighting foam that is now used in, uh, it's now the standard uh, firefighting foam used in structure and forest fires. And that's a patent, so right? Need... There's a patent on that, right? Yeah, well, in fact, the, uh, the, the, the product is still out there, WD-881. Huh. And yeah, he has like, you know, eight different patents on, on that. And then he developed a version of that when he saw that the Forest Service uh, when they were testing the foam to make sure it was uh, not going to hurt the wildlife or, or otherwise harm, harm like uh, that. You know, trees. Organic it, firefighting materials. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it developed a version for Hollywood called Snow Foam. And uh, so hmm. me and my brother grew up 
blasting foam on trees to make it look like it snowed and, and on commercial sets and movie sets. Yeah, oh, cool. Was, was it snow foam in any famous movies? Oh, I'll bet. Uh, Batman, Batman 2. Batman uh, turns. Cobb. Okay. Is in Cobb. Yeah. Cool. Uh, pretty much, it's kind of the standard for like the background, mm-hmm. the background of any set. Yeah. So it's, it's up in the trees, and right. my bro- my brother and I used to work on commercials, um, in in Los Angeles in oh, cool. August that were for coughing. Oh my and gosh. They were, they were cough drops. Oh yeah, there was an alka seltzer. Alka seltzer. <laughs> and we, we, we were always in shorts and you know and, and t-shirts, and all the extras were in like winter wear. Right. You know. <laughs> How about it's a wonderful life? And ever get into that one? Maybe I don't know. Oh, you'd have to time travel. Let's, let's just say. Let's just say it did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, um, well, the, the go ahead. Keep going, Dave. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, my granddad, you know, and he was. You know, 24/7 on the mission of, of uniting spaceship Earth, and that we're you know we're all children of the same transcendent divine source, and we need to realize this, or we're going to perish. Um, and just you know, very intense. And yeah. Kind of like my brother was saying. I mean, it was difficult to talk to him about kind of anything else. You know, especially he was an inside. This guy, really... this guy's mind was working 24 hours, wasn't it? I mean, uh, pretty yeah. incredible guy, high energy. So. Oh, and amazing, amazing yeah. inspiration, and, you know, I, I mean, I feel very much I resonate with him. It took yeah. me a little while to figure yeah. out what he was saying. I mean, as kids, it was sailing over our heads. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, certain powerful experiences really opened me to the well, know, divine well, world. Well, well you and Mike in. you and Mike really grew the company, and we're, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to talk about all the great success you've had since you guys took over, because it's, it's been pretty uh, astronomical. So we'll be back with David Bronner, Mike Bronner, Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps right after this. Hang on. <laughs> oh, we got a bonanza of stories with David Bronner, Mike Bronner from Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps. There's, there's still a couple of spots in Escondido where they have hitching posts. Is that right? Yep. Well, now, uh, now where he settled, is that where the, the company is still to this day, or have you guys moved around a bit? No, we, moved, we moved right before Thanksgiving 2013 to mm-hmm. Vista. Ah. Uh, we basically couldn't find anywhere in Escondido. We tried. Mm-hmm. Um, that was big enough for our, our expanded operations. Well, speaking of which, I mean, when you and David took over the company, it was somewhere in the four to five million uh, range. Now it is up to a 100 million. And of course, uh, you're, you're using it for a lot of good social causes and political causes as well. But how did that happen? Who wants to take that? What was, uh, what was mainly <laughs> responsible? What would you say, Mike? Uh, I would say that it was kind of a confluence of things. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, America was changing. Um, so you had more mass market uh, shoppers going into health food stores. Mm-hmm. That was partly um, because of consumer, partly because you know you had the Whole Foods was buying all the health mm-hmm. food stores and turning them into places that mm-hmm. the mainstream would shop. I would say for us, um, you know, Trader Joe's was a big account for us mm. because when we got in there, we had a lot of people who you know had been hippies in the '60s, right. yuppies in the 80, in the early '80s, and soccer moms, NASCAR dads, yeah. and then their kids were leaving, and they were now coming to Trader Joe's, yeah. and they had used our soap in the 60s, yeah. and they saw our soap, and they're like, oh my gosh, I love this soap. It takes me back to Woodstock. Yeah, it's like finding Beeman's gum or, or yeah, <laughs> they, they, Woodstock. They needed some of your soap at Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in yeah, the flashbacks. <laughs> but they would, they, would say, they would say to us, where'd you guys go? And we're, we would always say back, well, we didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys took that trajectory that you know ended up in the mainstream, 
and now you're kind of coming back. But, but the products are so great, and you have expanded the product line. It isn't just the Castile soaps anymore, which, which by the way, yeah. you know, you get a mile, a mile, you know, the usage out of a bottle. I mean, you can use one forever for a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, it is. He says 18 and one on the bottle, but it might be even more than that, huh, David? Uses. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, there's 1800. I mean, we get them. Yeah. All, all, all the time. But I, I always say I, there's I just, two there's two things you don't use it for your contact lenses or your dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want a foam party in your yeah. phone Other party. than that, it's great. Now our board operator Justin asked about uh use for pets and dogs and uh what'd you say, Mike? Uh pets, well basically um our soaps are eighteen and one, so and as my brother said, you can use it for a lot more than 18 uses. Mm -hmm. One of those is is for pets. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, my, my grandfather used to claim that it kills fleas and ticks, mm. which, of course, is a, a pesticide claim. So he got in trouble for it. So then he changed it to cleans fleas and ticks. There you go. There we and go. Your, and, your, yeah. and your dog will be smelling a lot better. So, But um, anyway, so uh, how many products now? I know you, there were like the three or four basic uh, scents, I, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, or brands um, when he started the company. But now I see you have, I've, I've used the cinnamon toothpaste this morning too. I forgot you tell about that, Richard. <laughs> I got I'm glad you brushed it's your <laughs> teeth before the show, Joe. Thanks. That's almost too much but information, I mean that, my friend. But I mean, well, that's cool. Go tell us, David. Yeah. You know, I mean, that it, it kind of goes to the, I mean, the other side of our success. I mean, as Mike was saying, you know, definitely the larger cultural trends of the integration of the health movement, the, mm -hmm. the mass culture and is, is, you know, been riding that wave, but, um, also, you know, we, we've just really established ourselves um, as, you know, the real deal. Like, we, we have taken responsibility for our supply chains and have made them, you know, have, have certified all our different farming projects, both organic and fair trade. Mm. That means when you're buying our soap, you know that, you know, that the farmers growing our coconuts and, and olives are getting paid a decent price. The, the way that's being grown is restoring and regenerating soil and it's not poisoning people. We don't got you know, children yeah. or, or otherwise exploited labor in our supply chain. And that definitely resonates and, and, and helps, uh, yeah. I think, with the overall brand. But um, as far as all these other products, I mean, for us, it, we were disgusted with seeing all, like, like the, we, were, we were watching the, the term organic become greenwashed and, and quickly become another marketing stick, like yeah. natural. Right. Um, and we wanted to prove, like, look, you know, you can make lotions and, and lip balms and all that stuff certified organic under the under, under the national organic program you know like you can meet the food organic program and produce really high quality cosmetic products so we took that challenge and, and started launching products in you know lip balms and hair care and mm -hmm. um you know and, and and hand sanitizers and everything all certified organic and most of them also certified fair trade to to in part prove a point but you know as well mm -hmm. um just pretty you know, help grow the brand, and 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 you know, me, me, and my brother, we cap our salaries. All our executive salaries are yeah, capped I saw that. to one of our lowest paid positions, and all profits not needed for the company we devote to our causes uh, that we support. Um, you know, and um, you know, it's fair trade and organics. And, and you give uh, out big bon you give out big bonuses to your employees. Uh, I noticed uh, the ones who you know, I'm sure every year they they get a nice little gift at the end of the year, huh? Yeah, I mean, twenty-five. You know, you got to you know mess up to not get your twenty-five percent uh, bonus. How about that? Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> and you know, fifteen percent. Fifteen percent on top of that is put into 
you know, retirement. It's mm -hmm. profit sharing put into retirement. Isn't and, for, that? and for the record, Joe did not use any of your hair care products this morning. I not necessary. I, well, I, what little hair is there I did clean with, and I did shave with it today, too. I just, uh, you know, I, I just follow the directions. You put a few drops on your wet hands, and I mean, you make shaving. I mean, this stuff is. Well, I'll tell you what, with our, oh, with ahead, our, oh, with our, with our uh, soap, you know, one of the uses is you can brush your teeth with it. Mm. Right? So when we came out with our toothpaste, we didn't want to offend any of those loyal right. toothpaste, you know, people. Uh, um, people who are using the, the soap brushing their teeth. Uh -huh. So in order not to offend, we came up with the tagline, uh, brushing your teeth with Dr. Bronner's just got a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and David, what were you going to say? Uh, well, you know, kind of like uh, in a similar vein is like we have a shaving gel product now. And, and like liquid soap, you can brush your teeth and shave and do all that stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, now we're also introducing where we take, you know, the soap. The soap is in the toothpaste and the mm -hmm. soap is in the shaving gel. But in either case, then we're actually mixing in other functional ingredients to optimize its performance as a right. toothpaste or as a as a shaving gel. And in the shaving gel, we we actually blend it with like 40% sugar, fair trade organic sugar, yeah. and it just really smooths out the soap and lather. So, so so I recommend trying out the shaving gel. Yeah, um, Joe, Joe was saying he has eczema. Shaving. Yeah, and the eczema. I'm going to yeah. try the sugar soap itself. That's a that's a kind of a new product as well, huh? And that's less drying than even uh, the others, right? Perhaps. Yeah. Excellent, Absolutely. excellent. Well, now you've been to these countries, Sri Lanka and all these places. How many different countries uh, produce uh, the, the ingredients for your products, would you say? Oh, man. Well, like, if you're talking fair trade. Fair for, trade, I our main, our, Yeah, our main, our main supply chain, you know, probably 10 different countries are involved with, you know, the 95% by volume. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sri, Sri, Sri Lanka mm -hmm. uh, and for our, our coconut oil, it, it, we have a fair, tr actually a sister company that we established there. It grew out of a tsunami relief effort we were involved in. And now we have a, a um, an amazing project working with smallholder coconut farmers in mm -hmm. Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. And it's been so successful that we're now actually reaching capacity and are uh, opening up a new project in Samoa um, uh, to produce cosmetic-grade, fair-trade, organic coconut oil. Um we also have a palm project in Ghana. That's a really cool, sustainable, showing how you can do palm oil right without clear-cutting rainforest and destroying wildlife habitat um, like's happening in Indonesia where the orangutan habitat's being systematically eradicated. Yeah. And we're showing how you can do it correct. And, um, you, and you've visited a lot of these places personally, haven't you? Have you been, have, I, did I, have, I did my honeymoon in Sri Lanka. Is that <laughs> <laughs> And before we run out of time, I want to let our listeners know uh, their annual report where you can get a lot of this information is at drbronner.com. You go to the uh, media report section, right, uh, David? Is that, isn't that the right place for it? Uh, uh, I, I believe the media yeah. section does have it. Yeah. Um, and you can, or you just click the all one. Like, yeah, there's, we got three button, main buttons at the website. and click all one. There we go. Uh, all one report. Yeah. There we go. The all yeah. one report. Well, uh, this has been really great. And, of course, the album, um, I, I have a copy of it right here in front of me that was released, uh, what, a, f a couple of months ago when I came to the party. And, and uh, boy, what a what a well-attended event that was. I know we had Mike to promote on the air, but I don't I don't think you needed us. I mean, it was it was great. You had about, what, 600 people there, I'd say, at least. Yeah, it was it was great. We uh, you're always worried that uh, people aren't going to show up, and it turned out to be you know. And AB, uh, I love yeah. AB. He's your PR guy, huh? He's PR got that guy. that yeah. great uh, outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> 
he just showed up the other night at uh, uh, the Association for Cannabis Professionals event, which I uh, which I went to. Um, so um, and I know that's a big burgeoning. Gosh, time has flown. David Browner, thank you so Gentlemen, much. Gentlemen, thank you. Mike Browner, thanks for being our guest. And Dr. Yeah, Browner's Magic you. Soap. Thank Get you. over to the website, drbronner.com. Richard Musio, great seeing you. Justin Hart, our board operator, thanks for making it sound terrific. Craig Blanke, our con executive, thank you. And to Dave Smith, our programming genius, we thank him. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iwaymoney.com. Next week, it's uh, Bree Walker. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye.